Hi, everybody. This is Jennifer Phillips Russo, the Viticulture Extension Specialist with the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program, and you are listening to Between the Vines. It's our podcast that we put together between, <coughs> excuse me, Cornell and Penn State. And I'm here with Kevin Martin, our Business Management Specialist, and he's going to talk a little bit about inflation, and I'm going to touch base a little bit about you know, wood maturity that's going on right now, what we're seeing in the vineyards. So good morning, Kevin. Afternoon. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for joining us all. <laughs> uh, you want to kick it off with, with some of the inflation stuff, or do you want to talk about probably the more interesting stuff, what's going on in the vineyards? Well, I think your inflation one's going to probably be longer than mine. So I'll just, I've been out in some vineyards this morning looking. I know that there's a heavy crop hanging out there all over, and some people have and have not thinned their crop and or might want to be pushing it because the weather was beautiful except for July but before July it was beautiful so I wanted just to see how the wood was maturing and how the grapes were coming along and you can definitely tell a difference between the ones that are hanging a ton of crop that maybe should have been thinned they're not as far along as they are I mean in color which obviously means ripening so your sugars would be higher if they did some thinning or hand follow-up the wood also on the lower crop levels or average crop levels looks really good. It's now, hard. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you just still don't have too much uh, BRICS data yet, right? You've got one post-foration sample. Well, there are two. There are two, but the other one hasn't been posted yet. We're waiting on the results. So we do what's called Verasion to Harvest, which was funded by the New York Wine and Grape Foundation and headed off by Tim Martinson, who is the state viticulturist for Cornell University. All of the viticulturists around the state, we collect berry samples, post verasion, send them in, and then they we report on them weekly on where they are all over the state so you can get an idea of where you stand. So those will be reported hopefully by Thursday afternoon, if not Friday at the latest. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, those numbers without context are, especially this time of year, aren't super interesting. It, it's nice to have that context of where you are in the curve. And I know last week we were tracking about a half a brick behind considering how long it had been since Verasion. So hopefully the weather last week, we caught some of that back up because we did have some really nice weather. So I would expect that it did something. <laughs> I did enjoy it, except for working out in that really hot weather out in the vineyards. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but we did. I mean, we needed it. We, I, I guess it doesn't matter if it was 78 or 83, but, but we definitely needed some nice weather and we got it. And I don't know if that's going to continue for the next month. So it was, I'm, I'm glad to see we got some of it out of the way. I agree. Yeah, so there, there was something else I was going to tell you about the grapes that I was looking at. You could smell them today in the air. That was nice. I yeah, yeah, we're about there. So I would expect that. But it's good to see. I'm assuming that picture behind you is a current picture. Uh, so for our listeners, yeah, it's good to see some nice looking wood as well. And it's not like it's not like we're looking at a, a frosted vineyard that doesn't have any grapes on it. Mostly what I see is purple. So it's still a nice crop. Yeah, it is a nice crop up there. I did see some pottery mildew sneaking in from that rain that we had a little bit ago too, but. Oh, know, well, who cares? It's September. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Concords, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we mentioned it, I think in June, we had done a little bit of a dive into inflation and um, we talked about some of the, where, where it's going in vineyards. And, and I, one of the things I really wanted to touch on this week was 
just to kind of put into context some of the headline numbers that came out about CPI because they came out recently and some other numbers came out and it was sort of making some news. Um, so if you're catching this inflation stuff on, you know, your evening news report or in your in your paper, Wall Street Journal, New York Times or whatever you subscribe to, um, you know, some of those headline numbers are there to, to make you interested in the article. And I think more so this year, you know, for the sake of your business planning, um, we need to sort of talk about the context of what that inflation means. I have a question because you threw out an acronym that I am unaware with. You said CPI. What does that mean? So consumer price index, when we look at inflation, we have to look at, you know, we have to measure it somehow. Um, so you could look at consumer price index. That's what's going to be a headline number. Um, you know, if you actually look at inflation data, you might come across PCE. Um, that's what the Federal Reserve uses to measure the exact same thing. They just come out with a different result because they have a different basket of things they're looking at. Uh, PPI, producer price index, is one that I tend to look at because, and you can't really look at it by itself, but it's nice to look at because it's a producer price index. So for the people who are buying things to make things, which, you know, they're, it's a macroeconomic measure. So, so it's all of the producers across the whole economy and what they're buying to make things. So what grape growers buy, you know, that doesn't really impact the basket of what things are looking at, but it's a better piece of guidance than say, um, consumer price index. And, um, you know, it does tend to be a little more volatile too, or I should say quite a bit more volatile, but looking at those headline numbers, um, you know, we're seeing some numbers that we haven't seen in a long, long time, or depending on your age ever. (laughs) Um, So year over year, the past four months is when it really started to take off. It started at three, went to three, eight and went to four and a half. And I'm rounding a little bit here. And now we're at 4.3 for July, which was recorded in August. So, and these numbers are core CPI numbers. They're not overall CPI. So they're excluding energy and they're excluding food. And they exclude those because they're just too volatile. They just bounce around too much. Uh, you can get those numbers that aren't core and they're going to be higher. Now. And that's primarily driven by energy. I know we've seen food costs go up. That's been a little bit more gradual over the last year. Energy costs kind of cratered a year ago and then they went up. Um, and so that's what you're trying to avoid with the core CPI. But right now, and that's some of the context I want to provide, is what was happening a year ago is is about 50% of what is driving these numbers of, I'm going to say, quote unquote, inflation now. So we're comparing um, the, the core CPI numbers to what was going on exactly one year ago. So we compare July to July. Uh, and, and um, you know, so I quoted you four months. So we, we also looked at June and, and May. So this is when the economy was shut off. It was in free fall. And we were seeing complete stagnation in prices. So if you look back two years ago and, and see what we compared, you know, how prices compared to two years ago, um, they're up about five to six percent depending on the month so that puts your average inflation at two and a half to three i'm sorry i have i have a question when you say prices you're talking about prices for everything in general so when we're for a grape grower you're talking about everything that he needs to purchase or she needs to purchase to do business all right so well so core cpi is a basket of things consumers buy that's what the c in cpi is for um 
PPI is a basket of things producers buy. So everything that we're buying as consumers is up on average. You said uh, so year over year, it's over four percent in July and four and a half percent in June. But that's because things were cheap a year ago. There was no inflation, um, you know, for about a period of about six months. And it was even and if we take a look at producer price index, it was far more dramatic and is now far more dramatic. So what happened last year between January and July is prices actually fell. There was deflation on the producer side. Um, and it was fairly significant. So if you look at it now, not only did prices revert to uh, their, their normal, they, you know, they, they reverted back to the mean, plus they inflated as much as they should have. And then they inflated a little bit more because the economy is doing quite well and there are there is some inflationary pressure. But you add those three things up and when you compare year over year in July, it's 7.8%. That's what it feels like. Right. Right. But see, that's why I wanted to talk about this, because that number is is a big number and it needs some context because 7.8% is something that you would see in the 80s, maybe not the 70s. It was probably even worse in the 70s. Uh, it depends on what year you're looking at. But but you're approaching numbers that start to look like the beginning of hyperinflation, especially if you look at the trend line. But if you add some context to that, I think we still just need to wait and see before we actually know where we're headed. Because if you compare it to two years ago, we're only up 7%. And that's over two years. So that's 3.6% a year, 3.7, 3.6% a year. I rounded a little bit, we're up like 7.2. So prices were really kind of in, that's a pretty dramatic fall for an economy that almost never experiences deflation. So. That, that context is really important, um, and that is why at least the Federal Reserve is not yet worried about inflation. Um, you know, we only have four months of data, and they believe it's transitory. Um, you know, why would it be transitory? Like, why are we going to see this curve of, of rapid inflation? And we've explained half of it, but what about the other half? Like, okay, so, but, you know, a producer price index of 4% is still quite a bit higher than what we want to be. We want to be, on the consumer side, we want to be at 25 or maybe even 2 and we're not there, we're above it. Um, so we would need to slow the economy down to get that inflation under control, unless it's transitory. So it would be transitory if potentially if it's a supply side inflation event. So the reason prices are going up is because you can't get what you need, not because people are suddenly demanding more things. So we've seen like lumber prices skyrocket. Is that because people are using twice as much lumber? Or is it because the amount of lumber has decreased in availability. And so there are a bunch of and used cars and cars are another area of the economy that did the same thing. Uh, used car sales prices were up 40% last month. Wow. And yeah, it, year over year, um, they were up 40%. So all that sort of points to it being transitory because it's hitting specific sectors so hard. Um, it looks like it may be a supply side issue. So if if we can get the economy to a point where supply becomes reliable again, it's not as though that there is gonna be growth in spending. Now, the other side of that is there's plenty of arguments to make in that we actually do see money supply increasing in a way that we have not seen recently. We see the cost of labor going up, we see where the Fed measures how much is in people's checking accounts and savings accounts going up. So this is liquid money and liquid cash does not usually increase. Usually when money supply has increased, 
the last 30 years, it's in credit. So you, yeah, you have access to more credit cards and home equity and stuff that people don't necessarily spend unless they really want to, or they're feeling super confident. Um, this is different money. This is money in your savings account and your checking account. And it's all going up pretty fast. And nobody's surprised by this because most of it's coming from checks that the government is writing. So we knew this was going to happen. We wanted it to happen. I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to say it. Right. So this is why you want to watch it because we it's very difficult to tell if this is supply side or demand side. And it's, it's nuanced. So we just need more pieces of data. And if that is the case, you know, we went over this in a, I think it was a crop update. I don't think it was a newsletter article. You know, what should a grape grower be doing? You know, grape grow, and they should probably be doing this anyway, but they should be moving away from variable interest loans. They should be moving away from crop loans. They should be deleveraging everything except for loans that are longer term and low interest. Um, because that's where inflation is going to be harmful. Very high inflation. One of the problems with it is that the day you get paid is not necessarily the day that you receive an invoice for an expense. And grape growers know that better than everyone. So if the timing of those two events is different and inflation is at 1%, nobody really cares. But even if grape prices rise with inflation because food prices are rising, it doesn't matter if the payment you receive happens and not in time with your invoice. So you have to figure out how to buy, you know, what are some of the things hitting grape growers now? You have to figure out how to buy $11 posts and you have to figure out how to buy $25 glyphosate. So one of the ways you can protect yourself if you have the opportunity to do so is to deleverage as much as you can, reduce your variable rate debt. Um, how do you do that? By refinancing or... Paying yeah, off. Some of it's some of it's going to be refinancing. So if you have access to fixed rate debt, you know, if you don't have, I don't know, five, six thousand dollars of debt per acre against your land, um, you know, you have room to move debt around. And there are reasons you carried variable rate debt in the past and not just because it was more convenient, but also because uh, fixed rate debt has its own risks. It's going to typically be more expensive to make that debt come and go. So you know, a, a line of credit on your, your grape crop, which is a thing you can get. Um, you use it when you need to use it. You don't use it when you don't need to use it. I mean, it might be an account that you can write checks against. It's very convenient. Um, with a fixed rate loan that's financed on land, you're going to have to pick a number. Like I need $100,000. I need to cash it out and I need to use that $100,000 to finance my expenses. And that number can't really change. It's not very flexible. And if it's too much, you know, you borrowed money for no reason. And I guess you can pay it back, but then you might need it later. And what do you do with the cash in the meantime? There's no, there's nothing good to do with it. So you're just going to have to pay interest on money you didn't need. And if you borrow too little, of course, then you're going to have to go back to those other markets for debt that, you know, are not as favorable. So, so there's risks associated with this and there's reasons to avoid the, that kind of financing. But now is the time where those variable rate financing uh, vehicles could be higher risk, mm. you know, because yes, it's, it's four and a half percent now, but in a year it could be six and a half or 7%. So it's just, I mean, the other thing, you know, I think you can do is, is pay some taxes. And I know growers don't want to hear that, but 
getting rid of debt often comes with a tax bill. And if you're, you know, if you're part of, if you're running an organization that is taxed on a personal level, there are some pretty wide bands of marginal tax rates. So just because you make a hundred thousand dollars versus 180 or $200,000, the actual percentage that the federal government takes doesn't change too much. Um, Now, if you make a million, I, I, you know, I guess as a, if you can do that as a grape grower, I commend you. <laughs> but the graduated income tax is very flat for the middle class right now. So so you pay your 25% or your 22% or your 28% and, you know, big deal. And, you know, it's not that much different. And with it, you can pay off some debt um, instead of trying to instead of trying very hard to avoid paying taxes. So buying tractors and grape harvesters, um, not to say that you can't pre-buy some posts, but you know, would I buy three years worth worth of potash right now when potash prices are, have gone up 100% in the last 18 months? Probably not. I mean, I'd rather pay 25% tax and hope potash prices come down. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, oh well. But, um, you know, I just, it's not that I have a crystal ball and I can predict these things. It's just that I see more downside risk than upside. So I wouldn't pre-buy things that have doubled in price in the last six months or two years. I would just rather pay taxes, deleverage, and get my business ready for hyperinflation, even though I don't think hyperinflation is likely to happen. That's why I say keep watching, because I don't think it's likely. I think you just need to pay attention. Oof. I can't handle hyperinflation. No, you know, honestly, what I think is more likely is we're seeing supply side issues in prices like lumber that that came and they went. But the supply chain is still somewhat broken and you can't really explain it directly with COVID the same way you could a year ago. I agree with you. So what is it now? (laughs) You know, I think. I don't, you know, I think to grape growers, I'm going to just, I'm going to take the easy way out of that really hard question and say it doesn't matter. So (laughs) the explanation doesn't matter. I think it's safe to presume that it's possible it will continue for another year. Um, There's a lot of people trying to explain what's going on, and I don't necessarily buy any of their explanations as gospel. Um, You know, there's issues with tariffs that are left over from the last administration that are, that continue. There are still tariffs that didn't exist. And we are definitely feeling those. It's definitely impacting certain parts of the economy that are driving this inflation. But really, you know, on a, a wider scale, it's not really doing anything. So is it impacting cars? Yes. But everything else? No, not really. Um, and, and even where it is inf- impacting things, it's not, it's just it's too dramatic to be explained just by tariffs. Um, so I don't know what it is exactly. I mean, maybe there is some hangover to carry or some hangover to COVID. You know, maybe that still is affecting supply chain. I'm not sure. But but the point is, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if commodity prices stay high. So people are, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things with trying to plant more corn or whatever. Um if the economy is in this sort of hot stage for for alternative investments, you can see where that might affect supply chain uh, 
issues for grape growers directly and already has, but would continue to do so. So that's what I would, I would be mindful of is maybe this isn't meaningful lasting inflation. Maybe it's just posts are really expensive right now or, or potash is really expensive right now. Um, so it complicates things, especially in terms of planning. I, you know, I would, I would just continue to watch everything and probably target a slightly higher tax burden than I would normally in a year where you have a large crop and it's like, oh, time to reset and buy all new tractors or whatever. Um, especially if it's hard to get tractors or grape harvesters, I wouldn't fight over them. I heard that today, actually. Right. I'm not at all surprised. That it's t- like some that were supposed to come in for July won't be here till January. <laughs> right. So maybe this is advice that I don't have to give anybody. It's just the market will control it and you won't be able to buy these things and you'll just have to pay taxes anyway. (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. But um, yeah, you know, and this is just, I know grape growers, some of them are super busy right now harvesting or getting ready to harvest, but, but our growers that are just Welch Concord growers, this is sometimes a quiet time where they can do some reading and scare themselves with, you know, headlines of super high hyperinflation. And I just wanted to provide some context and say that, you know, there is a risk of that kind of inflation right now. It's certainly higher than it has been in the last 20 years. But even even though that risk is higher than it has been in the last 20 years, I still think it's fairly low until we watch it and see what happens in the next three to six months. So it's not bad news. I mean, one of the things we're seeing here is food is moving with um, with the rest of this inflation. And that's why you're seeing, not, not last month, but in general, you're seeing higher consumer price index inflation than you are core because food has been volatile. So that's, and, and food in a sense that it, that's been good for grape growers. I mean, we obviously see higher grape prices. If, you know, posts can be $13 all day long if, Concord grapes are going to sell for $500 a ton, you know, from here on out or $400 a ton from here on out. That's fine. We can just deal with bigger numbers. It's not a big deal. It is, there's some, you know, cultural, you know, I think people get locked in prices and and there's a cultural bias towards prices and, and you can't let that emotional um, attachment to money, let you affect your decision-making skills or, or, business decisions. So, you know, if we really are in a period of inflation where, yeah, sure, grapes are going to be worth $400 a ton and everything else is going to cost, you know, 30% more, you just keep doing things the way you're doing and everything is going to be more expensive. And hopefully you're in a position to, in situations where you have to front the bill, like if you have to buy posts before you, expensive posts before you get paid for your expensive grapes, that's the real downside is it is making that adjustment. But if you stop fixing your trellis because posts are $12 and, you know, you're not taking into account that that grapes might be three, four, five hundred dollars a ton, then that's that's a problem. And, you know, I see you smiling and smirking, but but people do that in their everyday lives all the time. I mean, we see that all the time. Because there's a heck of a lot of grapes out there and I've seen a lot of posts and trellises down due to the weight of those grapes. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know what to do about that. I mean talk to an engineer maybe we need even more expensive grape posts they just need to be better or something but i I have no idea it's a totally different topic they are down everybody's fixing them 
<laughs> there was some wind. We had some wind storms. It's not good, but they're getting fixed. Louisiana, so right side, right? <laughs> I hope so. I see the path of that storm. So right. Oh no, it's gonna miss us. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Um, it's gonna miss us. <laughs> We've already had frost. We've already had hail. <laughs> it's gonna miss us. All right. I hope so. I don't Me like too. those things. And not just us and, you know, I, it needs to miss the whole state, both states. I agree. So that's more what I was worried about. It, it really didn't look like it was headed for, you know, wiping out the entire Concord industry, but it looks like it's in shooting distance of, of at least some great production somewhere. Right. So if that's what happens, hopefully it's not 10 inches of rain. It's something far less than that. So we'll see. <sighs> hopefully it'd be de-accelerated by that time. <laughs> yeah. And for us, you know, if it's extraneous, you know, rainy weather for a few days, hopefully we're early enough still. I know we've lost some days, but hopefully we still have some flexibility for most of our areas of production because like, like you said, that wood behind you looks really nice. So we're already halfway there. Right. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. If you have any ideas for future topics, please let us know. Um, subscribe to the podcast, join us on our website, lergp.com. If you want to stream the video, see our beautiful faces and shared screens when we do that, but I'd rather you, you, uh, focused on the podcast <laughs> personally. I guess is it, have you seen me? I was in vineyards all morning. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll just say the podcast is better because you won't miss us. You can subscribe. It, it has nothing to do with not wanting to be on camera. It's probably a lie, but that's that's the story I'm going with. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.